Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. to the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Thank you for joining and giving a listen. I've had a very busy week on Twitter, and the aftermath of the Fantasy Feast podcast was uh, very gratifying. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. That's Todd with one D from PA. You can find this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and it's always hosted on Block Talk Radio, so if you're finding us, Through Twitter, the link there will take you right to the episode. Please do me the kindness of following uh, the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and giving a review. I don't ask that often, but it's nice and it is appreciated if you do. Uh, Tonight, we will be joined by someone I've had on the podcast before. This is not one of our best ball podcasts. Um, I, I just don't want to be typecast, I guess. Uh, but we're going to be joined by Gianna with one N, Passanelli, who actually came up with the theme for this podcast, which we're calling the NFC Arms Race. We're going to be covering some of the big teams and how they've loaded up for Bear and are trying to catch the Eagles. You can find her on Twitter at Gianna, and that's with one N and four A's. And you can also find her work as a writer at 2QBs and at Rotoviz. She is a way with the written word that I highly recommend you check out, and I'm glad that she's joining us today for the second time. Gianna, how are you tonight? I am fabulous, Todd. Thank you again for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited for my second go. Yeah, and uh, this is your first solo visit. And uh, well-deserved after the really good episode we had with Bobby. and uh, But this time we're just going to be chatting ourselves, and we're going to be talking about the NFC for the most part, and it's going to tie in a little bit of the uh, recent moves. So um, how you been? What you been doing? How's life? I can't complain overall. Um as you know, I don't really participate in dynasty or best ball, so it's been more so just trying to keep track of all the off-season moves, preparing for the draft, doing some writing, but mostly observing for the time being. How do you prepare like to, for the draft? Because um, I'll be writing for it. I'll be doing a lot of oh, analysis nice. um, post-draft, so it's more of just, getting a lay of the landscape, what people's expectations are, and preparing for um, any surprises. Yeah, I'm preparing for the draft uh, for best ball by watching tape 
and as a giant fan, I've bought a box of tissues for the inevitable <laughs> crying when the Giants screw up the second pick. Yeah, well, one can only hope from the Cowboys. <laughs> well, you, you guys got a lot less uh, riding on this draft uh, than we do with the number two pick. Um, right. You know, I I joined. Uh, you know, I approached Gianna to join me again because I wanted to do some late free agency catch-up and pivot a bit from MFL 10 pods on Fanball. Uh, I really love the idea you had of turning it into kind of a look at the arms race. I think we have to, as distasteful as it might be for you as a Cowboy fan and me as a Giant fan, to go over the Super Bowl champion Eagles first and then go through some of the aggressive moves that other teams have made to try and overtake them. The Eagles let LeGarrette Blunt, Torrey Smith, and Trey Burton go to free agency, but are hoping to get a healthier Alshon Jeffrey, who played last year with a bad shoulder, uh, back to full health, and also upgraded, on my mind, uh, on Smith when they signed Mike Wallace. From an offensive perspective, do you see this as a net gain, especially since Burton, while he's a Really nice signing for the Bears. He was stuck behind Earth, so it doesn't hurt the Eagles really uh, other than depth. Also, any thoughts on how this sets them up to possibly pick in the upcoming NFL draft, where after their first-round pick, they don't pick again until the fourth round? It still really pains me, even when you uh, when you showed me the draft for this podcast to see Super Bowl champion Eagles in, in a sentence together. But I'll digress. That. Um, <laughs> How old were you the last time the Cowboys won? I was uh, not to age myself here, but I think I was five or six years old. So it's been a while. So you've you've never experienced what Eagles fans experienced, and what I, as a Giants fan, the one benefit of being old is that I've got uh, four <laughs> Super Bowl uh, victories that I've these eyes have seen. But I, I digress. Go back to. Uh, talking about the the Eaglets and their <clears throat> Super Bowl win. Yeah, yeah. I can, I, there's only uh, so much pity I can have for the Giants this past season. Uh, but starting from the top, I don't really think the Eagles are going to feel much of a loss from Burton or Blunt. As you said about Burton, he was you know largely behind Ertz, um, and I definitely think he's a good pickup for the Bears. And as a Gator, I'm excited for him to get his time to shine. Um, as for Blunt, you know, with the Ajay pickup, they, they made it very clear that, that they can kind of flip running backs through that system and still succeed. Um, as far as Mike Wallace goes, it's definitely an upgrade from Torrey Smith. He has more speed on the outside, better overall receiver. Um, I think we're going to see, see some good things from him. With Alshon, he, he kind of is what he is. I know he was dinged up last year, but I still think we might have seen some of his best football this past season. He's not much of a speedster, can't really run down the sideline. I actually don't think he's going to perform at the same caliber as he did last year, healthy or not. Um, As for the draft, obviously they had enough pieces this past season to win it all. So whomever they end up drafting, it's not like they'll need those guys to help them win right away. It's certainly important to build for the future, but I don't see any draft pick making a substantial impact on this team. 
they're going to invest anywhere. I would expect them to work on their O-line, maybe try to get an offensive tackle, um, obviously maintaining strength at the O-line is going to really drive their continued success. Yeah, I I was shocked that they only have the first-round pick and then they don't draft into the fourth. I was going on mm-hmm. the assumption that Doug Peterson had so much success with three backs last year that we would see them add someone. I know there's been some talk of them re-signing Darren Sproles, um, mm-hmm. I still think they will pick up a mid to late round running back, and there are some decent options out there. But if you're drafting out there in best ball right now, where Jay Ajayi is going in the fifth round, um, I think that's a that's a pretty good spot. He, uh, I felt that way before, uh, especially considering how tough it is with running back if you're doing a lot of best ball. Uh, but the fact that they just can't plug in a second or third round pick right now because they don't have one. Um, The one thing I'll say about the draft is if I were them and I only had one pick, uh, I would be definitely listening to offers when I'm on the clock, especially, as you mentioned, them having such a good overall team. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, uh, But on defense, the Eagles re-signed Chris Long and made a big splash signing in Michael Bennett, who himself then made a big splash what are your overall thoughts on Bennett and the defense? Um, we're going to get to the arms race and how these other teams are loading up. Um, it kind of hurts the Eagles, I think, that their big signing was Bennett, and he uh, he might not be playing. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that if he's on the field, then it's going to bring value to them. Um, he definitely he has a similar role as Chris Long, you know, coming in on third down being more of a specialist by switching between the two of them they could they should be able to stay healthy during the season it the Bennett ad to me was a really big upgrade for them I was did not have a good day when that um alert came up on my phone um as obviously <laughs> as long as the off the field stuff stays off the field or you know is put to rest altogether he's definitely a little bit of a wild card in terms of, you know, what he's doing outside of football, and hopefully that doesn't affect the Eagles um, too much. Or or we hope that it does affect them. Yeah, that, that's why I stuttered. That's what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you meant. Um, all right, so let's move on to the Rams, who've been the most aggressive team in the offseason uh, in the whole NFL. Let's start with the thought. Uh, your thoughts on the trade they made for Brandon Cooks, uh, both in getting the player who they're saying they want to resign, but also what they gave up, and how do you view it both from the Eagles' perspective, um, the Rams' perspective, and the Patriots? Yeah, it's really hard to not be excited about the Rams next season. I know when you and I were first developing a concept for this podcast, my first thought were were the Rams talking about them because I'm thinking about them. Everything they do has been, you know, one after the other, just building on this team between signing cooks and their upgrades at defense. You've got to expect their offense, you know, is going to have the ball the majority of their game. Cooks is certainly going to bring value and experience to the receiving core, and they have so many weapons at this point. Um, it's going to be really entertaining to watch, especially how they match up with the Pats and the Eagles. They're going to be scoring so many points. 
you know, building off this past season where they were scoring 50 points like there was no problem, and the offense is going to have equally as many chances to keep scoring. Yeah, um, I think the biggest question on the Rams for me is Jared Goff. He had a, I mean, a very solid season uh, last year, but uh, you know he didn't throw a great deep ball. And mm-hmm. he struggled with completing the deep ball to Sammy Watkins, which is also Cook's specialty. Do you see him doing better, um, Cooks, with uh, Goff than Sammy Watkins did for the Rams last year? Um, if you know, if you are out there, Cooks was going in the third round in best ball, and Woods and Cup were going in the sixth, seventh round. Um, how do you see that whole situation shaking out? Um, I think I think those thoughts are really rational, um, and I don't really have any anything against where they're falling. It's true that Cooks probably gets an upgrade um, by going to the Rams, but does he? I mean, he's had experience, you know, with Brady and Breeze. He knows those veteran, exceptional quarterbacks. So I think he actually is going to bring a lot of value to golf, um, provide some comfort and stability there. He, when he was with Brady, he wasn't as big a playmaker as you expected out of him. Um, but but I think that there's obviously a lot of potential um, bringing him to this young offense. Huff and Woods, you know, should probably see their fair share of targets, but will probably get less than him, which would make you know sense why they fall into later rounds. Ultimately, though, like I said, I think they're in rational spots. When you compare Cooks to Watkins. Cooks is much smaller, doesn't necessarily bring the same level of physicality, but he does offer more versatility than Walken. So they'll be able to use him where they need him, whether it's in the slot or on the outside. So he, you know, with that versatility comes flexibility for Goff. Uh, Goff is good at spreading the ball out, and again, they're going to have so many opportunities. Everyone, I think, is going to get a chance to get the ball. It's also going to be fairly matchup dependent. You know, if if Cooks is up against Patrick Peterson, that would probably be a game where Cup or Tavon Austin might shine. So while Cooks is, you know, going to be the number one guy, I really think it's going to depend on the matchup also. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, you know, Cooks was going early third. I'm not really interested in him there. Uh, You know, Tom Brady is such a special guy, and that's no Uh knock on Cooks, but going from Brady to Goff, um, you know, I'm dropping him into the fifth probably before I'll be interested. And, again, nothing against him per se, uh, but I, I do feel like that there's other players who have better connections with their quarterback at wide receiver up until about the fifth. Uh, Woods, I wasn't buying in the sixth much because he had a horrendous schedule of playing number one quarter, cornerbacks in the league. And now he can kind of slip into the slot. He can do all sorts of things, and he might not be seeing as much uh, tough coverage. I'm okay with him in the sixth, and and I'm going to drop Cup back a little. He's another guy I haven't been drafting early in best ball, and I and I get it. You're not a, a best ball person, so it's it you know it's really tough if you're not slugging out those drafts every day to see. 
mm-hmm. you know, who, who's there, who's not there. Uh, but for my fans, who, you know, all, all three of them, that are checking out the pod, if you're, if you're considering, you know, what to do with those guys, um, you know, uh, that that's my thoughts on it for now. Uh, and, you know, for Cup, you, you know, Cooks, one of the big things that people always loved about him for fantasy football was those big weeks, you know, the ability to get you the long touchdown and while I do think he might be a slight upgrade on Sammy Watkins in some respects, at least the Sammy Watkins we saw last year, um, you know, Goff just didn't really throw a great deep ball. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. Uh, I'm going to talk now about the other huge splash the Rams made, which obviously was the signing of Indomitian Sioux. But it wasn't the only move they've made to be competitive on defense. They let Tremaine McBride go, and they traded Alex Ogletree, who was a good player in a 4-3 system but didn't fit the Wade Phillips 3-4 to my Giants, a a move that I'm hoping gives us a good linebacker. Uh, They brought in uh, Aqib Tlaib in a trade for a fifth-round pick, and, and again, have uh, signed in Dominican Sioux. What are your thoughts on these moves, and how good might this Wade Phillips defense be with Indomitian Sioux and Aaron Donald staring next to each other on the line? Uh, the Sioux-Aaron Donald connection is going to be just unbelievable. I have so much resentment for Wade Phillips. It kills me to see him succeeding. But he is. Um Adding Sue and Khalid is going to make a huge impact. I don't think anyone can argue that. And then, like you said, Sue alongside Aaron Donald, Wade Phillips is going to have a field day with that. Uh, I'm not sure what center is going to be able to block those guys, but it's going to be very entertaining to watch. I do think getting rid of Ogletree is a downgrade. Losing a linebacker like that is never easy to replace, regardless of what system he fits in but it's hard not to think the Rams won't have one of the best defenses in the NFL next year. I do think you uh, got a win in Ogletree. Oh, I hope you're right. I mean, you know, he, he didn't grade out very well last year, but as some people pointed out on Twitter, and then I pointed out right back that, well, if you're not playing in the system that best suits you, you're, you're not going to grade out as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Rams don't have a first or second round pick. You know, they've got a third and three-fourths, though. Uh, So we could see some, you know, patchwork, decent guys coming in. Um, That might be a good spot in this draft for linebacker. I don't know. I'm not an IDP guy, uh, so I don't study the defense like, you know, I probably should. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I more check out these players on defense after the draft. Um, you know, back, I, I got to get back into your head a little bit because I find it a, a very interesting space to uh, analyze as a Cowboy fan. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this resentment for Wade Phillips because, he's A, he's the nicest guy in the world. And, and that's uh, – I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on why you uh, have these obviously just hostile feelings towards him. Um, I mean, it was really because of his time on the Cowboys. I just, I, we expected big things from him, and he just was unable to move the needle. And it was just really frustrating. Um, it, it was really frustrating watching him every week. 
uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of calls I didn't I didn't agree with. Um, and like I said, we had such high expectations. It was just very frustrating that he couldn't deliver. And yeah, you know, no, and, and I kid you. He's just not a head coach. He, he thrives at at defenses. Exactly. That was going to be my next point. You nailed it. Um, He's had a few chances to be the head guy because of how good of a defensive coordinator he is, and he's Mm -hmm. just really not shown in the head job um, the the same kind of ability to upgrade as he does when he's a a defensive coordinator. But I'm I'm glad that you agree that he's, uh, he's, he's a pretty amazing defensive coordinator. Definitely, and he's also pretty entertaining on Twitter, I have to say. He is, and and uh, I actually follow his daughter on Twitter, who uh, is an actress and uh, a dancer, and uh, I, 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 you know, she doesn't post much, but when she does, she's, it's often about uh, her love for her dad, and uh, I always thought it was kind of, you know, cool that he's got a daughter who's uh, an actress. I guess most people probably wouldn't know that. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. That that is pretty cool, and I'm sure it it makes their relationship easier that he's in LA now. That's that's true. I I, I never thought of that. Um, you know, back to the Rams and just their overall how they've handled this off uh, off season. I I think there's been a you know kind of a subtle brilliance to these moves uh, by Les Snead. He was kind of tainted by the whole Jeff Fisher thing. And I know I was kind of surprised that he kept his job when Fisher was fired. Um, but they were they were faced with a really tough decision. Uh, they, they could only tag one guy. They really like LaMarcus Joyner. He's uh, a, a, an excellent slot corner, which is, a you know, as we move on in the NFL, in the new NFL, the slot corner is, you know, especially a really good one is very valuable, and they decided to tag him instead of Watkins, and then they were later able to sign him. And, you know, then they added Tlaib to the secondary for McBride, who left for, you know, a fifth-round pick. And then they trade for Cooks to replace Watkins. So basically they chose to keep one, and then they, you know, are going to spend money on Cooks instead of Watkins, which is hard to argue uh, also mm-hmm. moving out from Ogletree, who didn't fit their system and getting concessions for Tavon Austins. And then uh, that allowed the funds for Sue. They also re-signed center John Sullivan, who was a real underrated part of why the offense and Todd Gurley turned around last year. I have to give a, the Rams an A for the off season. Would you agree with that? I mean, absolutely. You uh, as I said, I, I can't rave about the Rams enough this offseason for all the reasons you described. There are few holes to poke in the moves they've made. They've, they've arguably made the biggest splash out of all the teams this offseason. So, yeah, I'd say between them and the 49ers, um, those are the two teams who have just really given us something to talk about this offseason. Speaking of the 49ers, they get a full year of Jimmy Garoppolo in the system. I've been a Jimmy Garoppolo truther since he was coming out of college, and I, I, I you yeah. know, I can count on one hand the, the number of people that I've liked and drafted in Dynasty and kept uh, for a number of years, and then they turn into a big player. Um, but you know, I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo guy. They get the return of Pierre Garcon, 
And, you know, I think Garcon's going to be even more effective by the fact that uh, Marquise Goodwin really stepped up when uh, Garoppolo got there. He had been an underachieving guy in Buffalo. And then they made a huge splash signing, and uh, they won a, a bid war for Jarek McKinnon to replace Carlos Hyde. What are your thoughts on the McKinnon signing? I mean, uh, for the from the offensive perspective, he's the shiny new toy, and Shanahan has expressed a lot of man love for him so far. Uh, where would you be uh, comfortable in taking McKinnon in a fantasy draft if, you know, one was coming up next week. Yeah, speaking of shiny, this will be McKinnon's year to shine. You know, he's he's played second fiddle for his entire career up until this point, you know, being behind Adrian Peterson, Latavius Murray. So now is, you know, finally that opportunity to see what he can really do, especially considering, you know, on this team, the rest of the running back group is has very low levels of experience. So they're going to look to McKinnon to lead the way. We've seen what Shanahan's done with Devontae Freeman, Kevin Coleman, so it's going to be really interesting to see what he'll make of McKinnon. As for where to draft him, it's important to note that Shanahan has coached a top 15 fantasy back in five of the last six seasons, and especially in PPR leagues, you're going to want to take McKinnon fairly high. Um, you have definitely been more have more experience with where people are falling at this moment than I have, but... I would I would be very happy to have McKinnon as my as my number one running back. There's a, it's a risk, but there's so much upside there. And um I would I would probably look to take him I mean it's it's hard cuz you never know what if it was a PPR league, I would look to take him in the third or fourth round. Um 49ers are going to be really competitive in most games next year and in the few games that we got to see of Garoppolo on that team, it was it, it made the 49ers a bounce back team towards the end of a of a otherwise very disappointing season. So after this off season, they're a team that's going to bounce back very quickly with Shanahan in charge. Yeah, he's going in the end of the uh, second round once in a while, uh, but he's he's gone by the middle of the third round in most yeah. drafts since the signing. I feel like that's kind of close to the 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 top of his range, um, mm-hmm. and this is my thought, right? All, everything you said is 100% true, and I get the love that I'm hearing on Twitter and in Best Ball Command Center, uh, Mike Beer's Best Ball uh, uh, Slack chat mm-hmm. and platform, so I, I get it. I mean... I've really listened to people. My first thought when people were going on about him third round and this and that, I'm like, third round for McKinnon, are you kidding me? Um, But, you know, I get the whole Shanahan thing. Um, My big fear with him is that unlike some of these other teams that we've talked about that have upgraded, the Niners still have uh, pick one nine, pick two twenty seven, pick three six, pick three ten, mm-hmm. pick four twenty eight. I I just think they're going to add another back, and I you know someone would then just say to me, well Breed is there, and if they add a third back, is it going to be a three way backfield? Are they going to keep McKinnon healthy and you know keep his touches down to fifteen a game? I've heard a lot of people. Uh, comparing him to Devonta Freeman, 
Uh, I don't see them as the same type of player. Do you? No, I don't. I don't necessarily see them as the same type of player, but they're being coached by the same person who is shown to have talent at breeding young, hungry running backs. So that's where I would guess I would say the similarities are. Devontae Freeman got, you know, he didn't have to wait too long to get his shot. Um, I guess maybe it was the same amount of time, probably now, looking back. It seemed a lot quicker for Devontae Freeman. I was actually. It was. It was. It was. His, I was his memory serves it was his Devontae second Freeman. year. Uh, his yeah. first year, I drafted him in the 16th round um, just because nice. I, I was very into him from the beginning. Um, and I, I, feel, I do feel similar excitement to McKinnon on this particular team. Um, even if they were to add a running back, like you said, their picks aren't that great. And even at nine, you know. They're not going to take one at nine, I don't think. They're not going to take one at nine. I would be shocked. Like you said, they uh, Shanahan is huge on McKinnon, and they paid him. They're going to use him. They can use him uh, in so many different ways. The fact that, you know, he can run the ball and they can pass him the ball, there's just so much versatility there. And he's, they're going to give him the touches before – they're going to give him the opportunity before they take it away. I don't think they're going to be worried about his health. They're going to be worried about uh, making a statement – in the NFL after a few really devastating years, and this is the guy that they're hoping to help. Drive all right, so I get that. Um, all right, here's here's my full litany of Jarek McKinnon fears. Uh, one, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo looks downfield. He's not a dump-off guy. Hyde's yeah. receiving numbers went way down once Jimmy Garoppolo got there. Uh, they might get another back, and – the third one is that McKinnon has never been super efficient. Um, I think third round is, is it, I've come around to where that's reasonable for a certain amount of drafts. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if, if you're a, you know, a best ball guy like me and you're doing 150 drafts and you, and you're taking 30 to 40% of McKinnon in the late second to early third round, that's a little too risky for me, especially with what, you know, I get it because running back is just a minefield, but uh, those are my fears on McKinnon. They're now out there. We'll see. Uh, certainly, <laughs> the 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 Shanahan love um, and how well is it, it's well deserved. I mean, because like you said, mm-hmm. he he's turned these you know seemingly uh, average running backs at times into really big fantasy scorers. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and, you know, your your criticisms are fair, and, you know, I can't really argue them. I think Garoppolo is just getting his arms around being a number one quarterback, so I think, you know, he might, while he he definitely is effective at looking down the field, I'm sure that they're working on on how him and McKinnon can work together so that they're both succeeding. Yeah, that's a fair point, too. And uh, and that's what we're here to do, right? We're here to shine a full light on the situation and then let the, the listener decide what their thoughts are. Uh, the Niners also used a huge amount of money that they have, and they actually signed them for a very reasonable deal. Uh, Richard Sherman, the former best cornerback in the league, is coming off Achilles' injury and is a little older, but that's got to be considered an upgrade. 
And then they took um, their other big free agent was Weston Richburg uh, of the Giants. Uh, I think that's a nice upgrade for him. I was surprised that the Giants uh, even let him get to free agency. I mean, how you let your best two offensive linemen leave when you've only got two decent ones is just (laughs) ridiculous to me. But that's, you know, what we've been dealing with with the Giants general managers the last couple of years. Um, with all that being said, though, Gianna, do you think that they've done enough uh, to get themselves in the conversation with the Rams and the Eagles? Um, they're certainly on their way, but I don't know if this is going to be the year. There's still too many positions where they lag behind those teams, specifically the O-line, which you've got to have in order to be competitive in this league. They'll definitely give them games, especially those division games, but I don't think you know, overall they're going to win as many games as the Rams or the Eagles. But I think when they play each other, the games will be competitive and definitely exciting. I love that analysis. I think that's spot on. Uh, The Saints have also added some nice players. They were a playoff team. Uh, I'm really high on the fact that they signed Demario Davis Davis from the Jets. Um, You know, they haven't had a, a top linebacker in a while. <clears throat> They've added him to a defense that was much improved last year. They also added Patrick Robinson from the Eaglets. Um, obviously, they re-signed Drew Brees. And recently, they just made two big moves. Um, after failing to get Jimmy Graham to come back to the team, they brought Ben Watson back. Uh, Watson has been one of the oddest players I can ever remember in the NFL who was – not considered much of a player, a good blocker, not much of a receiver for much of his career. And then with Breeze a few years ago and in Baltimore, he showed receiving chops as an older player that he really didn't show much as a younger player. Uh, But the big signing was uh, Cam Meredith. Do you think the Bears match Cam Meredith? And if they don't, how do you see Meredith and Watson signings affecting the offense uh, in New Orleans? I'm not sure what the Bears will do. They already uh, had to match an offer for Kyle Fuller when the Packers tried to sign him. I'm not sure why everyone wants the Bears restricted free agent. Um, but um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to find out why they're being targeted and you know if they'll make another run at it. While the Saints did what they needed to this offseason, I, I really didn't find any of their moves too noteworthy. I know you're interested in Watson, but for all the reasons you said, he he, uh, he was never really widely talked about outside of being a blocker. Breed will def- would definitely make Meredith a better receiver, especially, you know, obviously when you're comparing it to Trubisky at this point in time. And Meredith has a chance to have a better season with the Saints, but their best receivers are already on the roster. I don't really get why they feel the need to target the Bears and take him away. I don't think he's going to move the needle that much for them. Um, their, their receiving core is already in good shape. It, it would be an interesting add, and it definitely would provide some value, but I don't know if it's necessary. Well, I like the signing myself. I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit here. Uh, it's it's risky because he was an undrafted free agent who had uh, six, you know, seven really good games um, in a terrible offense where he was the only receiving option, and then he blew out his knees. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, Ted Ginn is always just – he's always been pretty limited. 
and they had no tight end last year at all in New Orleans that they threw to on a regular basis. They used the running backs just a, a tremendous amount last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like adding him, and I think that um, he actually could take some of the pressure off Mike Thomas. Um, I think it's a little bit of a downgrade for Ted Ginn, but, um, you know, I, I could see your perspective on it as well. Yes, I, I like likewise. I like your analysis on that. Um, I definitely think that you could take some of the pressure off Michael Thomas, which was a huge issue for him. And like you mentioned, their running backs are just so good. There is no reason not to use them to the full extent. Um, devastating what happened to Meredith this season. Um, but I think he could probably provide more of an impact on the Bears still. Yeah, I I think that the Bears are going to be in uh I think the Bears are going to be overlooked a little bit because of how bad they've been. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that people are underestimating, you know, just how bad <clears throat> um Jeff Fisher was in for that offense in in Los Angeles uh with the Rams and then you get a guy like McVay uh, I think it's pretty similar in the, in, you know, John Fox is just so conservative. And now you get uh, Matt Nagy, who just had a, you know, really helped the Chiefs to bloom even more when he took over the play calling from Andy Reid. I, I think they've got some pretty good weapons and they've got a pretty good offensive line. So I, I think that they're a subtle team to try and get uh-huh. some, you know, like an Allen Robinson and, um, I think Trey Burton, you know, all these guys, depending on when you draft them, I think are going to offer you um, a little, some sneaky upside value because people are underestimating them just simply because the name tag bears are on them, similar to how yeah. we underestimated the Rams last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And um, the Bears have had – their own decent offseason, less talked about, but they definitely have made an impact. Um, and I think they're definitely, you know, Trubisky's sophomore year, they're going to come back a lot stronger than people would expect. And, you know, playing off that um, all in on the, on the young coaches, you know, Nagy's only 39 years old, so he's definitely thinking outside the box and, and trying to make an impact there. Yeah, and, um, you know, you mentioned the quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. He actually looked okay when I watched him last year. I know there was Mm -hmm. a lot of questions of him coming out of North Carolina because he didn't start till his senior year. Uh, But really, all the the upgrade that I'm thinking is based on the assumption that he's going to be a decent to good quarterback, Uh, but that's Mm -hmm. certainly not guaranteed. They just didn't. They, they didn't give him the opportunity. They never wanted him to throw, throw the ball. It was crazy. I kept uh, – I was writing, you know, weekly waiver wire articles, and whenever there was a good matchup, I'm like, this is going to be his game, and they just wouldn't let him, you know, they they just wouldn't give him the opportunity to, to make strong plays. Yeah, there was an interesting thing that I saw on Twitter uh, that Jordan Howard took down the Bears information from his team – uh, from his Twitter feed, and I didn't follow it up by checking it, but uh, 
I've been drafting a decent amount of uh, Jordan Howard in the third round, uh, and I, I've been trying to dial that back a little bit. I've been mixing in, <laughs> mixing in Joe Mixon and uh, Jarek McKinnon now a little bit as well in the in the that you know three three to three five range, uh, because Howard could end up somewhere else. Uh, that that you know. I don't get why you would trade a Jordan Howard. I think that he's shown that he can play the role. But I guess I just answered my own question in my head. He's not a great pass-catching back. And the Chiefs have always, you know, that system, they like a back who can catch the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a – I didn't hear that about the Twitter. Yeah, I I think a sneaky landing spot for Saquon Barkley would be the Bears – um, they've got the eighth pick, and that's, you know, two or three picks behind where you would expect Barkley to probably go in the draft. Um, mm-hmm. So the Bears could move up. They've got pick two seven and uh, two fours and a five. Um, I, don't, I don't think they'd move up for Barkley, but I think that if he's sitting there at eight, I think uh, Barkley, you know, I would give it about a 10 to 12% chance, but I think he, if he's staring them in the face at eight, I think they take him. It's certainly possible. I, I was even reading some some stuff, um, you know, depending on where if teams move in the early rounds. I was even reading some stuff on Barkley potentially falling into the 49ers. So I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for the Bears. I, I actually really like that. Um, and it's certainly possible given that most of the teams are looking for quarterbacks and there's, there's no obvious team that is going to get Barkley early. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't think I don't see Barkley getting past the uh, the Bucks at six. But stranger things have happened. You know, one of the quarterbacks <laughs> could fall to six, and the and the Bucks could move back. Um, you uh-huh. know, that, the 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 NFL draft is always such a fluid situation. You think on right. one hand, yeah, there's no way they pass. You know, they need a running back so bad. Uh, but if they're sitting there and someone, you know, let's say a Baker Mayfield somehow makes it to six, um, and you see the Bills wanting to move up for a quarterback from 11, I I could see the Bucks moving back. So um, let's move on. I know you uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the young coaches and their effect on this arms race and how the other teams can – react to it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've exhausted, I think, all the moves that the Rams and the 49ers have made, but when you look at what they both have in common, it's young coaches. They're reinvigorating these franchises, and I think that's going to put a lot of other owners in check to start looking for coaches who are willing to innovate, or they're going to get left behind. You'll notice we're not talking about Gruden and the Raiders right now. He's an old coach set in his ways, minus signing Jordan Nelson. You know, he's focusing his efforts on signing fullbacks. It, it doesn't look like they've made much progress this offseason. No. You know, they if, anything, they might have, if anything, they might have gone backward. Let me ask you something about Gruden since you, you, you threw his name out. Because at one time he was the McVay of the National right. Football League, right? The young guy, he was at the time probably the youngest coach in the league. He got the Raiders to a Super Bowl, then he won a Super Bowl. And I I always felt like when I listened to him on on uh, 
as a broadcaster, like I didn't see the spark. I just mm. kind of saw this guy who had some shtick, and I, I know he's, you know, that that's not all of him, but I, I wasn't too impressed by him as a analyst. Um, what, what were your thoughts on him as an analyst? He was a fine analyst, just like most of them are fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, exactly. It was more so, I mean, it's a good story to say to see him go to the Raiders, um, and it's definitely, it definitely can create some hype. But just like what I said about the offseason, we're not talking about the Raiders at all. They, they got Gruden. We talked about it for a day. And then there were there were better moves being made, um, and they have those they have the opportunity with this young quarterback. You know they've paid Carr; he's their franchise quarterback. What are they going to give him? Jordy Nelson was a good pickup, but that's pretty much it. They're not they're not you know moving the needle to to get where they expect to be. Um, and I, I almost feel like I'm watching. I'm going to be watching this as a movie one day. Just you know, this this old retired coach who's coming back and wants to maintain his youth and relevancy. And I'm, not, I'm really not trying to dig on Gruden specifically. It's just the tale overall. It's, it's just not realistic that he's going to succeed. And, I, and I'm surprised he even <laughs> believes that he can succeed. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he coaches. could. And I think that, I mean, I think, you know, Jack Del Rio was okay in Jacksonville and he was okay at the Raiders, right? He is Mm -hmm. what he is. And and I do think Gruden is, you know, possibly a better offensive coach even at this age than, um, you know, I I, I think that the biggest effect we're going to see is we're going to see a more efficient Derek Carr. And I think we're Mm going to finally see Amari Cooper just flooded with, opportunities and put in a position where they're going to say, you know, we want to give you 150 targets and now you got to step up and make it so that, you know, we can keep you at that pace. Um, But do I think he's this Svengali that's come out of retirement, like maybe a Parcells would have been 15 years ago? One of those guys who, you know, wherever they go, they just immediately turn around a franchise. I don't see groups Mm -hmm. like that. No, I don't either. I mean, and from what we've seen this offseason, it kind of validates it. And, you know, compared to what these young coaches are doing, they're all trying to do something different, shake things up, and we're seeing them already get results. So, you know, if other teams want to keep up, it's not going back past that you've got to find coaches willing to think outside the box. Yeah, I mean, Gruden made a comment about analytics, and then he walked it back some uh, but mm-hmm. that's like one of the biggest issues right now is that these young guys are all about analytics and mm-hmm. the, the old guard, you know, in that old just mindset of, you know, the National Football League and, well, we've always done it that way. I mean, that's the most asinine thing in the world. Well, we've always mm-hmm. done it this way. And it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I mean, they they attribute a lot of the Eagles' success to the analytics. The numbers don't lie. And so well, they're doing something. At, at the very least, they can reinforce what you see or they can shine a different light on what you think you see. And there's certainly something to be respected. I mean, I'm not as good with numbers as a lot of the guys on Twitter. 
Uh, I'm just not. I just it's just never been a strength of mine. But I was also respect the hell out of them, and I never want to be running in the face of them just because. Well, that's you know that's just the way I've always done it. I've always just picked players the way I have. No, I want to learn from the analytics while recognizing that they're you know it's not everything. At, at a certain point, we're also picking human beings, and you know we you know scouting and using your eyes are also uh, important and everyone's different and you have to, I think just in general in life, you have to always be willing to improve but you also have to sometimes take a stand on things that have worked for you. Uh, Not everything old is bad uh, but being unwilling because you're old to consider new ideas, that is bad. Uh, does that make sense? Absolutely. Awesome. And I don't um, hey, those old guys are just trying to be relevant. <laughs> uh, you were going to say something, though. Go ahead. Um, I'm not a numbers person either, not like the, the guys on Twitter. And I, I try, um, but I'd rather let them do it and then take what I can from it. <laughs> Th- that's a good way of putting it. And we both work for Rotoviz and you know, we respect the hell out of the numbers. And, right. you know, at the same time, we, we you know, you've got to take your strengths and, you know, use the numbers to, uh, you know, I'm never going to be a Josh Hermsmeyer or a Mike Beers. And if I tried to be successful using their process, I would likely fail. Uh, let's go to our last topic of the night. It's uh, the other end of the spectrum it's my Giants and your Cowboys. Neither of us were very active in free agency. We didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I mean, you're just like the real old-fashioned Cowboys fan, live and die. Um, the big news out of Cowboy land, though, is all this negative talk about Dez and the possibility of him being cut. Some people have said that the Alan Hearn signing could be um, mean the end of the road for Dez in Dallas, but personally, I don't think that is going to change uh, the situation. I think that the Dez situation hinges on his willingness to either accept a pay cut or just work harder at his craft. We've heard all these stories about him not working really hard and not being the athlete he was a couple years ago. I know you're a lot closer to it than I am, Gianna. Why don't you give the fans a sense of uh, the Des Bryant situation in Dallas? Yeah, so I love the Hearn signing. I was really excited that the Cowboys made some move in free agency. Um, I was watching these good receivers go elsewhere, and it was killing me inside. The Cowboys very rarely make noise. At this point in the offseason, it's always been frustrating watch, watching the other teams get better. And like you said, we're just so limited because of cap issues. I expect Hearns to have a really good year. There hasn't been a second receiver in Dallas, and you'll notice I said second receiver. Um, there hasn't been a second receiver in Dallas in a long time, and he's another you know, reliable target for Dak, which will be immensely helpful. You know, in the past, the second receiver was really written more more times than not. Terrence Williams was too inconsistent and sloppy to, you know, maintain that second-in-command status. Obviously, the Cowboys are a run-first team, but since they control the ball so much, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to get Hearns the ball, too. He's going to get his targets. Um, but I agree with you, and we mentioned it in our first podcast. 
I'm not giving in to the media noise that Des is going anywhere, is Jerry's guy. He's a leader on that offense, regardless of what the numbers say. And I expect him to be a cowboy for life. After everything that's gone on, I think Des, you know, at this point, he wants to prove he's matured. He's not going to mind taking a pay cut to see the Cowboys become a better football team. The Cowboys yeah. are his, they're his soul. And I actually expect him to have a really big season after all this negative talk. You know, with Zeke back, Dak in his third year, another option across the field, you know, to take some of the pressure off of him. Dez is going to fight back on the field. He's not going anywhere, and he's going to prove all the haters wrong this season. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it's not a deep uh, draft for uh, – well, there's certainly nobody necessarily that you'd say at pick 119 at receiver. Hearns – I like Hearns as a player. I've always liked Hearns, uh, but he has had trouble staying healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not as convinced as you are on Dez staying there. I think they are going to want him to take a pay cut. And, you mm-hmm. know, I think uh, it's interesting that we're not hearing Jerry talk about it as much as Stephen. Um, yeah. And Steve, and Stephen seems pretty firm in uh, wanting a pay cut. And I don't think that Stephen would be out there talking like that if he didn't believe that he could get his dad to where he needs to be on this. Um, <clears throat> the bigger issue I find is, you know, everyone wants to talk about Dak's um, you know, his down sophomore year. Mm-hmm. But the poor guy really had no weapons. I mean, you know, the offensive line, the the offensive line wasn't as good. You know, they lost a couple people on the OL. Um, Terrence Williams wasn't a good second option five years ago. And as much as we all love Jason Witten as a player, I mean, you know, yeah. He gives the name Dad Runner um, a bad name at this point. I mean, he's just not the same guy. He's, he's you gotta still get, I, He's missed one yeah. game in his entire career. Like he's and he's he's there in the slot for those four or five yarders when when uh, Dak needs him. And so as you know, he he can stay on the team for as long as he wants to. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think but, I think Switzer is an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that we might see him beat out Cole Beasley in the slot this year. My big thing with the Dallas, beyond, you know, all the cowboy hating, you know, which I find, like, I'm not I, I'm not a cowboy fan. I, I mean, I used to hate the hell out of them. Um, I, I, you know, with fantasy, I, I'm, I, as I mentioned to you on the last pod, I'm not at that point anymore. Um, but just from a perspective, I don't get how you don't get Des, uh, Dak more weapons uh, hopefully Zeke comes back with his head on straight. You get that t- big tackle healthy, and hopefully, uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see them take an offensive lineman in the first two rounds. Um, I, I just think you got to give Dak some help. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually wrote a little Dallas Cowboys preview uh, a month or two back, and I'm hoping they take Calvin Ridley. I'm hoping, you know, they make some moves. They have – Cowboys have quite a few draft picks, um, so hopefully they can provide some depth somewhere, find some hidden treasures. They've always shined in the draft, and you know, back to back to the whole Jerry issue. You know, Stephen keeps Jerry in check. He's the reason. Um, he, he's the reason for a lot of those big moves in the past couple of years. Um, he's also the reason that we don't or we didn't uh, reach for Johnny Manziel. Uh, bless his heart. 
So, uh, <laughs> Johnny Rehab. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that was a good move by Stephen there. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm going to block out the noise. I'm going to expect Des to be there next year. And like you said, Dak did everything he could this year. It's just the it wasn't our year. You know, we even we even had issues with Dan Bailey, who is the most consistent kicker in the league. Um, he's my heart and soul. <laughs> and um, you know, we, we just couldn't we couldn't catch a break. All of the drama with Zeke, you know, he's playing, he's not playing. That obviously affected all the guys on the team. Um, I love Switzer, and I'm hoping that um, we see some some big things from him. And it's going to be a new year. It's just, it's definitely frustrating to know that the Eagles are are continuing to move forward um, and, and continuing to build. And it doesn't seem like we're moving as fast. But but Jerry thinks so. So we'll stick with that for now and hold our breath for the draft. All right. Um, thank you, Gianna. That was awesome. And. Uh... Great having you back on and giving us your thoughts on all these different things. Why don't you tell the nice people out there where they can find you and what might be next for you? Awesome. So, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Gianna with four A's at the end, G-I-A-N, four A's. I, like, um, like Todd mentioned earlier, I work for two QBs and Rotoviz, and I will be doing um, – some draft material for both uh, after the draft. So definitely tune in for that. You can find that on Twitter. Awesome. And once you do, you know I want you to come back on and we'll discuss it. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you out there. Remember, you can find me on Twitter, at Todd from PA. That's at Todd with one D from PA. Uh, You can also find me doing my weekly article for Fanball with the podcast attached tomorrow night. I'm going to be doing a podcast with Dan Williamson and Mike Oliva, two really uh, guys like me is kind of how I look at it, guys who just put in the work and are really good at best ball. And we're going to be doing an, uh, a podcast on ADP and just where you're going to find people these days, where's the valleys, where's the peaks. Um, it should be a lot of fun. I hope you'll join us. And then next week, my article for Fanball uh, is going to be on the enjoyment of best ball. And I'm going to be doing something that uh, any of you who follow me regularly know. I like having people who've never gotten a chance to do a podcast. And we're going to take three or four guys who play best ball on Fanball and have never gotten a shot on a pod. And I'm going to interview each one of them for 10, 15 minutes. So that should be really fun as well. That'll do it for us today. Thank you very much, and I will see you later. Have a good day, folks.